All right, so if you have your Bibles, please open them. We are going to be in the book called Romans. We're continuing going through Romans chapter 8 today. And we're going to be talking about God's growth plan for your life. Romans chapter 8. We're going to cover some familiar territory here. Some very famous and familiar and friendly Bible memory scriptures, especially verse 28. Hopefully, God willing, we'll get to that today. But if you're able to, please stand with me as we open up. We're going to start by reading from Romans chapter 8. Verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, oh Lord, we thank you again for your holy word. We thank you that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Lord, we know that these principles weren't written just for the Christians in Rome, but also for us today here in New York City in 2023 and even beyond. So we ask, Lord, that you please would open up our understanding of your holy word. Help us to see your growth plan for our lives and help us to understand, Lord, that for those of us that are wanting to forsake the things of this world, the fleshly things, and to seek you, to follow you, By the Spirit, Lord, there's going to be a path, there's going to be a growth plan that you have set for each and every one of us on that journey with Jesus. So help us, inspire us, encourage us, for we ask and pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we ask. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat, if you would, please. There's a guy named Chuck Swindoll. I'm going to show his quote. He once said, Pearls are the product of pain. A precious tiny jewel conceived through irritation, born of adversity, nursed by adjustments. Some oysters are never wounded. And those who seek for gems, toss them aside. Fit only for stew. Again, Chuck Swindoll describing the challenges the, through the lens of Romans 8, the sufferings that you and I will go through. No, your sufferings are not your job. It's not, I got to pay the bills or 
I gambled too much money or my 401k really tanked. That's not your cross that you bear. Those are worldly, earthly things. They're temporary. You die, they stay. The things that are of eternal weight and value, these are things that are really fought in the spiritual realm, aren't they? They are. And just like Christ going to his cross, every born-again Christian also has their cross, so to speak, their path, God's growth plan, again, for your life. So I want to talk about this today, that you and I as Christians, we must know that God's growth plan for you and I is simply designed by God, it's also implemented by God, and it's also overseen by God. What you're going through right now, Christian, if you're a born-again Christian, you believe you're a sinner, Christ Jesus is your Savior who died on the cross for your sins, you've repented, you've turned away from all of that, and now you want to follow Him, and you're struggling over as we go through this book called Romans, that flesh versus spirit inner turmoil, that battle, then this applies to you. If not, then... Maybe you, know, you could talk, let me know too if that's the case. If we could talk, we'll get you saved if that's the case. Maybe we need to talk about this, that maybe your journey is in the beginning chapters. By the time you get to Romans chapter 8, this describes what we call this spiritual warfare that you and I go through as born-again Christians. The inner turmoil, the flesh versus spirit battle. And as I learn to walk no longer after the mandates, the demands of my flesh, This is how chapter 8 opens. But now I'm led by God's Spirit. I'm going to go through what it says in verse 18, sufferings. Any of you all know that? Sufferings. Raise your hand if you know that. I want to know who I'm talking to. Okay. So as you want to die to those things of the flesh and now be empowered by His Spirit, you want to follow Him. You want to be a Christ follower, a true Christian in the sense of the term, of that word, a Christ follower. You and I are going to go through sufferings. These are the things that are taught in God's word and also strategically positioned in the middle of this book called Romans that we must go through on our journey with Jesus. It's on the road. If you don't think so, then you haven't grown. You haven't matured. Okay? And I, I still go through stuff. We all go through stuff. We've got to know this. False preachers, false teachers won't tell you that. It's all the feel-good message, right? Or as one preacher, one false sort of teacher once said, and as is stated decades ago, he says, send them out with a smile. In other words, don't preach about the cross of Christ or the fact that they have to take up their own cross. Why? Nobody wants to go to church and hear about death and death to self. But yet, that's a fake church then. So what the scriptures do show, again, look at this in verse 18. I consider the sufferings of this present time. When it comes to God's growth, for your, God's growth plan for your life, he's going to assign your trials. Please understand that. Please understand that. I'm going to say it again. Please understand that. He's going to assign your trials. You could pick many things. You could pick today. You picked who you sat next to. <laughs> you picked... Where you parked or what bus, you picked all sorts of things. You can go down the bread aisle and pick what bread you would pick or not. 
You can pick a lot of things, but you know what you can't pick? Your trials. Your trials are assigned and designed by God. And the sooner you hear this and accept this, the better off you'll be. Has anybody here ever prayed, God, grow me. God, help me. God, mature me. Lift your hand if that's you. So then what is the Heavenly Father going to do? Remember we talked about adoption. He's adopted you. This is what the chapter teaches in this book. A good father, your adopted father, will bring you into his family. But then, wow, Drew, I adopted you and I realized you got a lot of bad habits. <laughs> you got a lot of destructive, self-destructive habits. It could be drugs, sexual morality, alcohol, all the above. I had all the above. The whole party lifestyle. For me, my, my background, my testimonies I shared with you guys, I wasn't just going to parties. I was promoting parties as a DJ in Southern California, in Orange County, L.A., and Hollywood area. And I, after repenting from that, I came to the Lord in, in tears. Why didn't you just squash me? I can't believe. I probably literally led not just hundreds, perhaps thousands of kids away from the Lord. And the weight of that was, was just overwhelming. I would just sob in tears, thinking, how could you deal with me? Why don't you just like kill me? I don't even want to deal with myself after coming to Christ. But I had to realize, getting over and getting through all that, I'm still in therapy, so to speak, with the Lord. I keep giving my heart to Him. That He allowed me to go through things. That wasn't assigned by Him. He allowed it. The, the, the point of sins in my life that I chose. But later on, guess what He would do? He would use that. I didn't know. So unbeknownst to you, what you're going through or your predicament right now as a Christ follower, your sufferings of this present time, like in verse 18, it could simply be that it was designed by God Almighty himself. And the sooner you hear that and acknowledge that and accept that, the better off you will be. Why? Because now you're no longer praying on one side of your mouth, God help me, God heal me, God grow me, God mature me, I'm so sick of staying in this spot. And on the other side of your mouth, you're like, oh, but God, get rid of this trial. Get rid of this suffering. And the Heavenly Father's going, you got to pick what you want, bro. <laughs> he didn't say bro. <laughs> Daughter. <laughs> Son. Because God's growth plan for your life is to follow Christ. They loved him so much. What did they do to him in the Jerusalem area? <laughs> they nailed him to a cross. So think about these things, folks. When it comes to God's growth plan for your life, he assigns your trials. You don't get to pick what your trials are or how your trials will reveal themselves or even when your trials come. That one I don't like. <laughs> or how long your trials will last. You don't get to pick all those things. Guess who does? God. So he designs and assigns your trials. Or through the lens of Romans 8, verse 18. Let's look at this again. The sufferings of this present time. So this, contextually, this text is speaking of the adoption process that you and I go through when we've been adopted into the family of God. You're a Christian now. Not because you sit in a church building, 
but because I'm a sinner, Christ Jesus died as my Savior, rose from the grave. I repent for my sins. I confess it to him, ask him for forgiveness. He comes into my life, and now what does the Holy Spirit want to do? Train you and I for holiness, preparing you for eternity with him. And it's better off that we know what that is. So the sufferings of this present time, as God's children, you and I simply need to walk through them. You've already prayed for this. Again, who, I want to know who I'm talking to. Who here has ever prayed, God, use my life, God, grow me, God, mature me, God, help me? Here, come on, raise your hand, raise your hand high. Look around the room, look how ubiquitous this is. So don't be surprised when he answers your prayer. <laughs> now, I want to say this, I'm preaching to myself too, because sometimes I'm like, oh, but Father, not that way. <laughs> I want a smooth path landscaped with plenty of roses and sunshine. <laughs> so he's going to design and assign your trials, your suffering. So here in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, where it says the sufferings of this present time, these sufferings are basically God's growth plan for your life. Why? He's your heavenly father. He loves you. And this is how he's proving even further of his love for you. That yes, he's going to take you just as you are, but he's not going to leave you as you were. You even asked. Again, who here prayed? God used my life? Oh, I love this time. Come on. Who here? Look around the room this time. Look, raise your hand. Look around the room. Who's prayed? God used my life. Help me, etc. Okay, so it's pretty much ubiquitous, which means like virtually all of us. And so now you've prayed for God to reveal his growth plan but you, you don't get to know when or how or how long it'll last or what your trial will be. Just continue to deny the things of flesh, the things of self, the things of this world, the worldly stuff, and to follow him in the spirit. So imagine you're going to adopt a child. You adopt a child into your family. You're the adoptive parent. But you notice they've, that child has a lot of bad habits. Maybe it's things like sexual moralities. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol or the whole party lifestyle. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's pride or cursing and have a potty mouth. That, that used to be me, actually, all of the above. Maybe it's a life of rebellion and living under their own rules. Nah, I'm going to do it my way, just like the song. Truth be told, wasn't that all of us? That was me. Can anybody confess that was them? All right. So... For most of us, it was all these things. The point is, that child, that adoptive child, you see that they're doing a lot of things that hurt your relationship with that child. And that child alone, I'll say like it was me, as my Heavenly Father adopted me, that child might be also doing a lot of things that actually hurts self. So sin is bad because it's, it's going to hurt us. And if our Heavenly Father is a loving adoptive parent... He wants to clean those things up, right? And how many of you know that you're in that process, that he's doing that right now? Allow him to. I'm still in that process. When's that going to end? When I'm dead. <laughs> you know, when I'm home with him in glory. So if you think about it, to be adopted by your heavenly father and then to expect that he's not going to heal you and he's not going to want to mature you is not only unbiblical, but that's not the way God works. 
So we're talking about adoption. Why? Because we've already passed through that topic in previous verses. So now we get to this part where we know we're adopted now. And as you and I go through this chapter in Romans chapter 8, let's remember the context of, quote, the sufferings, as it says, of this present time. What are they? These are the things that you go through while denying the flesh in order to obey God's spirit. And if you don't know that it's a suffering, you're going to be like, man, this is like a bad marriage. You got the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering, as they might say in the world. You're like, oh, I don't want to follow Jesus. There's a suffering. Nobody told me about that. Somebody just shared with me that God loves me and has a plan for my life. They didn't tell me that's part of the plan. (laughs) I didn't sign up for that package. (laughs) Yes, it's part of the package. So in order to obey God's spirit, you must say no to the things of the flesh. And if you've ever prayed, God, use my life. God, fill me. God, help me. I want to serve you. I want to grow. You love me. I want to give back and love you back. All those sorts of things, you are asking for God's growth plan to start. And so don't be surprised if he simply answers your prayers. I'm going to continue on here. I think that died. So you and I, as Christians, we're going to go through the sufferings of this present time. If you're going to walk according to the Spirit, this is just a summary of this chapter so far. If you're going to walk according to the Spirit, which is verse 1 and verse 4, which is the same as to live according to the Spirit, that's verse 5. And if you're being spiritually minded, which is verse 6, that by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, that's verse 13, and you are, quote, led by the Spirit of God, which is verse 14, well, then this is what's going to happen. You're going to go through God's growth plan for your life. You're going to go through, as it says in verse 18, the sufferings of this present time. That's why when we pick up in this paragraph, it's not a paragraph in and of itself by itself. You've got to go to the context, look before it, See how that text fits within the context of overall what's before and after. And what is it speaking of? And who is he speaking to? Context is speaking to born-again Christians who want to be not just spirit-filled, but spirit-led. And I noted down here, notice this in the red on the slide, to reject the sufferings of this present time is to reject God's growth plan for your life. So we don't want to pray on one side of our mouth, God, use my life. God, help me. God, help me to grow, all those kinds of things. And then the other side, oh, but Lord, take away this pain. Take away the suffering. Because I imagine the Heavenly Father is like, you've got to make up your mind. Because the very way that you're going to mature and heal is I need to reveal this so I can heal it. I need to get this out of your life so I can bring in something much more glorious. And so while we go through these things, this paragraph that we started up by reading also describes the fact, look at verse 40, or 22, the whole creation is groaning and laboring with birth pangs until now. Why? Because this sinful life and world that we are born into. And as long as you and I are, are living here on this planet, you and I are going to experience suffering. Why? Because God loves you. And as he adopted you into his family, what's called the church, he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you immature. How sad would that be if you adopted a baby 
And that baby stayed at only six months old, never learning to stand and walk. They, they stand and walk at around what age? How many months? Around a year, 11 months, 12 months is, is around average. And then the, the baby starts to eat not just milk, but slowly solid food. Any parents here? A bunch of parents, right? You, oh, you remember those times? It was like, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> you're, you're starting to finally. <laughs> For my wife with our two kids, it's like, okay, now you could feed them. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Tag team. So that child starts to grow. And you start to take in more solid food. It's a metaphor, an illustration of what God does with you and I as he adopts you and I. So he wants us to grow. He wants us to mature. He wants us to heal. And I want to introduce you now to a word that could be life-changing for you. If, and there's a caveat, if you will embrace God's growth plan for your life, this word will be life-changing. It's the word suffering. You're like, you came here today, you're like, oh man, I thought it was going to be riches, or I thought it was going to be blessings, or I thought it was going to be something on the positive side. It is. If you embrace this, embracing God's growth plan for your life. Look at this again, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This word for sufferings, I, I brought it up here. This is just for my Bible study software. I did a screen capture with it. It's from Thayer's here, as you see on the right side of the slide. I circled in red this one dictionary definition because this is applicable to you and I. It says this, also the afflictions which Christians must. Wait, did they write that correctly? Does it say must? Does it say optional? Does it say may? <laughs> must. The afflictions which Christians must undergo in behalf of the same cause which Christ patiently endured. The sufferings, the afflictions. Wait a second. He went to a cross so I wouldn't have to. He went in and took all the pain and suffering so that I could get the riches. Yeah, but when it comes to spiritual riches for eternal things of value that you don't just get in eternity when you're in the presence of the Lord, but you get and receive right here and now, and he could show through your life so that people could see by observing your life, God is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of love. Because they need to know that. And the people that you know right now, your family members, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, they're desperately wanting, other Christians, they want to know that God is real and God has picked and placed and put you in their life so that through your life, not just your preaching, through your life, they can see how much God is this God of grace, God of peace, God of mercy. And he wants to show you off, to display you as sort of a tool of his grace. Will you allow him to, Christian? Will you mature? And I'll say it this way for someone that may be here. Will you allow him to take you off the baby bottle? that I need to grow and mature. I'm not saying that as rebuke. I'm saying it's time to mature. So as we get to chapter 8 here, if you don't learn this and read this and, and fit it within the context later on, serving God in chapter 12 through the spiritual gifts, it ain't going to make sense. 
you can still try to serve him in the flesh. You know what's going to happen? You're not going to grow. You're not going to mature. The spirit will be quenched. So this one word, sufferings, let me just to quickly look at this. Let's see how else it was used by Paul and others elsewhere in the Bible. It's the same exact Greek word. And we're just doing a, a quick word study, a word survey here. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, which we'll get to later on, God willing. Verse 5, it says, For as the sufferings, this is the exact same Greek word, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings, that's the same word, which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, there's that word again, so also you will partake of the consolation. And also in Philippians 3 verse 10, what does Paul say about knowing the Lord? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And this, notice what he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Do you know that when you're going through something for the sake of Christ, because it's God's assigned growth plan for your life. He designs it and assigns it and you're walking on that path, that journey with Jesus. Do you know that there's a deeper intimacy that you can have with the Lord? That there's a fellowship of sufferings there? That you can come to Him and you could tell Him, Lord, you totally understand what I'm going through because of what's revealed in the Scriptures. We can't say, oh, you don't understand. Oh, you don't know what temptation is like. Yes, He does. He went through all temptations as we did, yet remain without sin, as we're taught in Hebrews. Oh, you don't know what this physical pain is like. Oh, excuse me, he went through the most excruciating, painful death as he died on the cross, not because he deserved it. He did it for you. You deserved it. I deserved it. The world deserved it, but he did it for you. Oh, you don't know what it's like when people betray you. Oh, yeah, he knows. (laughs) Oh, you don't know what it's like fill in the gaps, fill in the blank. Yes, he does. So there's a fellowship of suffering there that you can come to him and he understands you're going through physical pain, emotional torment. When you feel betrayed, when you know that you've been lied to, cheated, whatever, and it's still God's growth plan for your life to deny the things in the flesh. Oh, in the flesh, I want to get revenge. I want to do this. But in the spirit, oh, I need to seek to bless, not curse. And so what happens? God is impossible for me. Therefore, as a Christian, you and I must cry out to him, pray to him. And he's going to help you. The helper is going to help you even during those times. So there's a fellowship of suffering that happens. Here's another slide. This is the next and last one on this. Make sure we're here. This is what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same, there's that word in Greek again, sufferings. The same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So if you ever feel like, oh Lord, the devil's on me. <laughs> I, I can sense like the spiritual, the external spiritual warfare. We're talking here in Romans 8, the internal spiritual warfare, flesh versus spirit. But the external where the fallen angels, the demons, if you want to call them, the, the devil and the fallen angels, one-third of the heavenly hosts that fell and followed Lucifer or Satan. Do you know that they want us to go through sufferings? They want you to quit. <laughs> they, want, they don't want you in here. 
Definitely not a church that's going to teach through the entire Bible and endeavor to make disciples. In other words, the Great Commission is to make disciples. They would rather me preach a feel-good message and send you out with a smile and tell you how you can do great in the world and build up your own kingdom. But that's fake. The church is a pillar and ground of what? The truth is what the Bible says. So we need to reveal truth. Here's also what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus. We need to do what? We need to see Jesus in it, right? See Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering, this is the exact same Greek word, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Christ was perfected through sufferings and the same path that jesus went i want to follow him who here wants to be a follower of jesus a disciple of jesus a christian in the sense of the term some of you're like if i want to raise my hand now (laughs) well jesus sees the heart (laughs) not just the head so he went on a path and you're to follow him and so we're describing that path so most people in this world they're living after things of the flesh even, I hate this term, carnal Christian. It's an oxymoronic term. A lot of Christians in America are, are carnal. They're fake. They may, they're believing in a fake Jesus. Many of them, a lot of teachers and pastors speculate, they may not even be born again. They're, they're the, the tares amongst the wheat. They're the goats amongst the sheep. And that can happen, sadly. That's actually talked about in the Bible. So we've got to be careful and follow good, godly, biblical examples. But most of the people in this world, including carnal Christians, are living after things of the flesh and telling you and exemplifying worshiping yourself and you don't even know it. And if you don't know truth as revealed in God's word of truth and obeying the spirit of truth, you could be duped out. You could be faked out. And a lot, a lot of my friends have gone that route. I'm like, oh, I can't go there. I want to exhort you to get back on the path. But that's actually what can happen. And that was me. <laughs> so I want to have grace and mercy, but I still want to be able to pray for and reach out to people. So as we're being taught to live by the Spirit of God here in Romans chapter 8, you and I need to know that we're going to experience a type of suffering for Christ. You and I do know that. Here's what it comes down to, Christian. How many of you know, because the Spirit of God has been ministering to you, you know you're going to go through, you can call it trials or tribulations or persecution or suffering. How many of you know the Spirit of God's already been preaching to your heart that that's your path, that's the life that He wants you to take? Who is that? So we're here to pray for you, to encourage you, to to reveal the truth of what God's Word of Truth says. As you take that path, People in the world aren't going to understand you, are they? They're not going to. Worldly Christians aren't going to understand you. The ones that just want to, you know, blab and grab it, confess it and possess it, and, and tell you how you're going to be rich and wealthy and never, never get sick, always healthy. It's a fake gospel, prosperity gospel, as it's called. They're not going to understand you. They can say, well, you go to that church, you're just reading Bibles and praying. Oh, you come to ours, they're going to tell you how to be wealthy and healthy. That's fake. That's a heretical church. That's a fallen church. It's not even a church. And out of bounds. That's easy to find in New York City. Okay? And that's not us. 
But if you have friends, I got a bunch of friends that are that category. They're not going to understand you, are they? Because you're wanting to follow Christ. And they'll look at you like you got two heads like, what? You need to deny self. I, I just got preached to and told me it's my best life now and I got to embrace self. And you look at that through the lens of scripture and you just go, wow, it sounds like you're being taught to worship yourself, which is the same as worshiping the devil. It's a doctrine of demons, as the Bible says. So how many of you would I know, if your family members or others, if they're not serious Jesus followers, they don't understand you? Is that any of you guys? They don't, uh, that's how it is in my own family. They're not going to understand you. So any person that tries to live after the things of the flesh in this fallen world, these things we're talking about once we get to chapter 8 in Romans, and oh boy, there's some great and grand stuff that's going to be revealed as we peel back the pages of Scripture, but we must go through this first. They're not going to understand you, and you're not even going to understand it unless you go through this. So I want to encourage you to embrace this. So by living by obeying God's spirit and God's word and denying the things of the flesh, those things of who you used to be, dead and buried, right? Buried with him through baptism. We're risen with the Lord too. Now, as he birthed us into this new life, this new family, we must learn about his ways. And that's why he brought you here. This is why the Lord even brings us together within the family of God. Not just this church, but the global church in the body of Christ. So understand that God understands you, but others aren't going to understand you. You need to know that because you're going to get to the point where it's going to bum you out and go, man, that person, they say they're a Christian. I went to work and I shared with this person that I'm going through some kind of stuff and, and they're, they're like Job's friends. Anybody read the book of Job? You read that and Job's friends are like, maybe you did something, maybe you're in sin. I mean, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> You might have some of Job's friends, so to speak, or his wife. Curse God and die, right? But they're not going to understand. Don't get bummed out. Just know that God understands you, and others won't unless they share a similar lifestyle with you, unless they truly want to be a serious Jesus follower. They ain't going to understand. They're not going to understand. So here's what Paul wrote also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, he's speaking about the body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. Can anybody groan? Like, <sighs> Anybody's tent groaning? <sighs> I'm 54 now. My tent's groaning a lot. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. That's 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and 2. Let's continue reading on. Now in Romans 8, verse 26. Again, talking about God's growth plan for your life and the sufferings we must endure. This will make verse 28, which is a Christian meme. This, the context is beautiful. But if you just rip it out of its context and just apply it to everything in your life... I'm bowling. I got to get a strike. God makes all things work together for good. Whoosh! Gutter ball. Or, or I used to be a fake Christian in the world. I was like, I could do all things for Christ. Like doing bench presses. <laughs> that's, that's where I used to be. That's how bad my theology was. So Romans 8 verse 28. A lot of Christians, this is their favorite verse. Who here knows Romans 8 verse 28? We'll get to this in a bit. Okay. 
got to know the context of the text. This is going to make it so beautiful. Let's read verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let's just read verse 28. Some of you guys are probably curious. Like, what is that? Verse 28. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know... Let's read this together, can we? One, two, three. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. That sounds nice. Thank you. So verses 26 and 27, you and I need to know that when you're going through God's growth plan for your life, the Spirit of God, who's also called the helper, he's going to help you. Groanings, what's that talking about? The context. Look at the context of the text. Earlier on, we saw the paragraph in verse 18 speak about the sufferings that you and I go through. Why? Because we're denying the things of the flesh. Now that we're actually saved, we have a new life, a new beginning, a new hope. Everything's totally new. And now the Spirit of God is telling us to say the things of the flesh and to say yes to the things of the Spirit of God. And as you go through the sufferings that you might go through, you're going to go through stuff. <laughs> That's my big theological term today. You're going to go through stuff. And sometimes, maybe some of you can identify with this. You're going through it for the sake of Christ. You're going through this out of being obedient to God and what He shows you in the Word and being convicted by the Spirit. And sometimes you're going through it so much where you're just lying before Him going, I feel like I don't even have the words to say. Does that happen with anybody? You're going to go through those things. If you're going through it because you made a bad decision, like, oh, I shouldn't have robbed that bank. No, that's on you. That's your sin. <laughs> but if it's for the sake of Christ, the things that you said no to the flesh, and it's his assigned and design plan for your life, and you're going through something, a suffering, a trial, a tribulation, for the sake of Christ, for your growth with him, you're going to need to know passages like this. So sometimes when you're going through trials as a Christian, you may not even have the words to say when you're praying. You may just lie before him just groaning, like, oh, so painful, God. Know that he understands. And know that the helper, God himself, the Spirit, he's a helper, so he's going to do what? He's going to help. <laughs> he's going to help, right? So the pain, the torture that you might go through, maybe you're just lying there before him going, oh, it's just so heavy. Maybe you're just having tears and sobbing before him. It's so painful, physically, emotionally, mentally, just for the sake of spiritual growth. Oh, maybe you feel like, ah, are you even there, God? Well, for one thing, he does give some people the spirit, not, not all, please understand that. It's also heretical to say, though, he gives it to everybody the spiritual gift of tongues. He doesn't give it to everybody. But yes, there is a spiritual gift of tongues, a spiritual language to be able to communicate with them. That's where a gift of tongues can greatly help with that gift. But also the Spirit of God can intercede on your behalf to help you to communicate with Him. The context, though, of it is not, oh, God, I really want to go to Las Vegas and gamble. Oh, 
I really need the money. No, he's not going to help you to sin. The context of you're trying to go through the sufferings of this present time. Please understand. Now it makes more sense, right? So everything's about the context of the text. So in other words, when you're going through God's growth plan for your life, God's Spirit wants to intercede on your behalf. Christian, will you let him? Will you allow him to? Will you allow the helper to help you in your prayer life? Because you can't get to the end of yourself until maybe that trial that he's picked and placed, designed and assigned for you, until you get to that part of that path on the road. And then you realize, I got no strength anymore, God. Help me. And then what happens? Now there's a closeness. Like Paul wrote, there could be a fellowship in the suffering. Jesus, I wanted to get close with you. I didn't think that you would pick something like this. And now I see that it's because of these divine, designed and assigned trials. This is how I'm going to get close with you. This is how, Father, how you're going to mature me. How I'm going to not just get close, but remain close with you. I accept it now. And then what will happen? Many times your trials are over like that. But how many of you know, the longer and the harder you kick and scream against God, you know, the Father's giving you a test. You keep getting makeover tests. It's been 10 years. Do you accept it? No, I'm praying that he removes it. Did he remove it? No. Did you accept it? No, it can't be from God. Maybe it's been 10 years. And he'll wait another decade because you're kicking. And he simply wants you to obey and to follow. And then that trial is over. Why? Because now you learn the lesson. And then what? He's going to heal you. You have time of rest. You're in the hospital to get some care. And then what? And then there's the next test. Why? Because he loves you. He wants you to mature. So yes, he's going to take you as you are, but praise God, he's not going to leave you as you were. He wants you and I to grow and to mature. Verse 28, this is a, it's like a Christian meme. This is huge for Christians. Again, anybody have this as their favorite memory verse or one of the favorites? This is one of mine. Again, let's read this in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And now when we learn this very famous Christian meme Romans 8, verse 28, the text within the context, as through the context of what? Sufferings. Now, do you see what it's saying now? Now this makes more sense. It's not the context of, oh, my job. Well, you've got to have a job to pay the bills. <laughs> you know? Paul had his tent making. You got your job or whatever it is. It could be the things that you're choosing to say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit, and you're going to go through sufferings. This, you know what this does? This verse here that we love, because it speaks of hope, it's beautiful. When you fit it within the context, this makes your pain and suffering make sense. This makes your life have meaning. This makes your life have purpose. And the divinely designed things that he's assigned for what you call sufferings, and I'll just say for today's message, God's growth plan for your life, it gives your life that sense of purpose. Now 
I can comprehend. I don't understand, but I can comprehend, Father, because you want me to heal and grow and mature. Now I accept. Why? And we know that all things work together for good. By the way, this word for know, it says, and we know. I need to let you know that this word for no is the Greek word Ido. Big deal, okay? Well, what is that speaking of? Ido is more of a past tense. It's an intuitive knowledge. The other Greek word that's used in the New Testament quite a bit for no is a word called gnosko. It's a coming to learn to know. Anybody take math? Who, by the way, who here loves math? <laughs> Brandon, really? Okay. Ooh, he's smart. <laughs> Some of you guys might say, Do you love math? You're like, ah! <laughs> Wash my hands. With the, oh. Why do I mention math? Because it builds upon, doesn't it? So you, if you can't learn two plus two, you're not going to learn the upper echelons of math. <laughs> okay, so coming to learn to know something, that's the Greek word, gnosko. I could know the scriptures. I study them. Okay? There's a learning with that. But I've come to learn to know over time. You gather up knowledge. This word, and we know, the Greek word Ido, totally different, not even similar roots. And we know. In other words, the born-again Christian that already has a spirit of God living within her or him, he already bursts within you an intuitive knowledge that you already know that he's going to work it out. You know this when you're going through stuff, don't you? It's not just a Bible study where you look at the text, you fit it within the context of your life. In Romans 8 verse 28, especially understanding that what it's saying totally makes more sense now. You know. So this is, look at the pronoun that we know. We know that all things work together for good. You have an intuitive knowledge, Christian. You will learn by experience as you chalk up experience that God's always been faithful. That's a different kind of learning. That's a different kind of knowledge. That's more gnosko. This word is saying, because, and again, it does not make sense to non-Christians. So I'm saying this stuff and some of you guys are going, I think he's a little cuckoo. <laughs> he's like talking weird stuff here. This will make sense to the born-again, spirit-filled Christian. Because you've already got Christ birthed within you. And what is God doing? He's already been preaching this to your heart. Hasn't he? That you've got that intuitive knowledge. You don't have to learn it. You just have to accept it. Right? In other words, your Heavenly Father is saying, trust me. I mean, how many of you know when you're going through the sufferings, the trials, the whatever, the tribulations, he's been preaching that to your heart. Just trust me. Just trust me. Let me help you. Any, any of you guys know that? Because he's preaching this to you. you know. So this, this text just gives the verbiage, the words, to fit the context of your life. This is great. So Romans chapter 8, it's a chapter for spiritual growth and maturity. This makes no sense to the non-believer. This doesn't even make sense. Romans 8 doesn't even make sense to the baby Christian even until you can understand that I'm going to go through stuff in life. Sufferings. Again, verse 18. The sufferings of this present time. So it says we know. It doesn't say we understand. 
And how many of you are like me? I'm very analytical up here. And when you're going through stuff, you're like, wait a second. Let's talk about this, Father. <laughs> I need to understand everything before I take a step. It, what you're telling him is, I need to have more faith before I follow you. And he's like, you're never going to follow then. And that's why you've been there for five years, Drew, or whatever. If it's just to understand and then you follow, then there's no faith involved, right? Then guess who your God is? Self, right? That's why you need to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This gets in the way. Anybody else like that too? Okay. It doesn't say, and we understand. And you know. Born again Christian, you know. You've got the intuitive knowledge. I'm talking, this is like deep stuff for the Christian. I'm talking to born again Christians that you've got God living within you. If I'm like speaking another language to you, then talk to me afterwards. We'll get you saved. We'll help you, okay? But for the Christian that already has God living within them, and you know, you've got the intuitive knowledge that he's telling you. You don't have to understand. You're never going to understand because you're not God. You just have to trust him. So when you're going through things in life, you're not going to understand what he's doing or when he's doing or how he's doing it. This changes things. So it helps you so that when you're like how I get at times, I can still ask the why question, but why? But why now? <laughs> I, I had to train myself like, I guess it's time for growth. This helps the why, Romans 8 verse 28, because now it fits the context of my life and the sufferings or your life and the sufferings, the trials, the pain, the things that you might go through because you said, use my life. And because he's telling you to say no to the things of the flesh and to obey the spirit, time to mature, time to grow, time to heal. Time to be that adoptive child and not just kick back. This helps answer the why because you know intuitive knowledge. All things work together for good. That you know, Christian, what does that help you with? That helps you with meaning. It gives your life meaning. It gives the sufferings that you're going through right now meaning, doesn't it? It gives you purpose in those sufferings. Why? He's given you that intuitive knowledge and we know. This is deep stuff. I love this. This helps me. Hopefully it's helping someone here. So when you're going through the sufferings of this present time, you need to remember that God's going to work together all things for good in your walk with him. So you're following him. All of a sudden it's rosy, sunshine. Bam! Something kind of spiritually, emotionally hits you. And you're like, where did that come from? I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, you know? You kind of feel like that sometimes. And it might be the Father going, what are you doing? That's me. You can't rebuke me in the name of Jesus. What are you talking about? <laughs> and that's why the suffering doesn't go away. <laughs> it's, remember, it's designed and assigned by him. It could be something that you're going through, those things, all things work together for good. It's a matter of this, maybe. Will I trust you as the Lord of my life? Yes, he's Savior for your sins, but is he the Lord of your life? That you would trust him with your very life. Oh, I give 10%. That's great. You're trusting with some of your finances. But do you trust him with your life? Your life. That's very different then, right? When it talks about your life. I'll give him 10%. Or I'll give him my time. I'll give him the time of day. I'll spend time with him in the morning. But the rest of my day, don't touch. 
you're not trusting him then. Okay? Do you trust him with your life? And I'm, I'm speaking to you, Christian, because you want to grow, you want to mature. Notice it says to those who love God. So if you really love God, then this applies to you. To those who are the called. That's to us today as Christians. We're the called ones. We'll get into that a little later on. I don't want to get like a little freaky with the theology there. Some people get all twisted out of it. But look at the context here. And notice it says according to his purpose. Ah. According to his purpose. Again, fitting Romans verse 8, verse 28 within the context of your life and the sufferings you're going through. You might be going through something right now. Guess what it's giving you? Purpose. Does that make sense now? The, the things you're going through right now, it gives it purpose. So Romans 8 verse 28 was never meant to be something you extract out and just put on a refrigerator magnet or a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or a you know, picture on Facebook or social media as a, like a Christian meme. It's talking about sufferings. And we know that all things, it says here, work together. The sufferings are going to work together for good. You've got to allow that process. And it's going to give you purpose, but it's not your purpose. Notice it says, according to whose purpose? Is that what the text says? Is that what your Bible says? I didn't write that, did I? It's what he wrote for your life. It's according to his purpose. So the context of this helps you to answer the why kind of questions. Why now? Why this? Why does it have to hurt so much? I'm trying to give your life purpose, my purpose. That's what he might whisper to you. And there are great illustrations of this. We're going to have to wind down and close here. I'm going like a little over my time. I think of Joseph to illustrate this. Hopefully you can see it here. Oh, can we click through here to the next one? Thank you. I think of Joseph, though, in Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph's in Egypt, in the book of Genesis. He's sold into slavery by his brothers. He eventually becomes number two in the world, right beneath Pharaoh, in charge of all the world's granaries. And the brothers that actually sold him into slavery now come to him. And his brothers are worried now because their father Jacob's dead. Like, oh, maybe our brother's going to... No, and he's going to try to get revenge. He's going to give us evil. Where it says they're going to, he's going to repay them back evil for all the evil which they did to him. But Joseph wept when they spoke to him, is what the text says. And here's what he says in Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. There's that word again. For good, in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. So he didn't know when he's going through it. You and I know his name. It's Yeshua, the Messiah. Joseph in Genesis 50 was being a type of Messiah, type of Jesus. He didn't know. I mean, think about it. Sold into slavery by his brothers. He didn't know that he would bring about a salvation. So you and I, we don't know that what we're going through might help others. It actually does. If you allow God to mature you. If you, you want to stay unhealed, ungrown, immature, then you could bypass. If you're listening later on, you can click away, go to something else. But if you want to grow and mature and you want to understand this book, we've got to get through chapter 8. And this means you, gotta, you have to accept the sufferings that he's going to put you through. We love these stories, right, in the Bible. Uh, of course, we could think of Jesus. Here's one with, with Jesus. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12. But... 
to answer the question, how do you endure the suffering that you're going to go through because of being spirit-led? Look to the example of Jesus. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus endured the cross. He was despising the shame. The cross was a shameful way to die. Imagine being stripped of your clothes, nailed to a cross. Uh, he had the crown of thorns shoved on his head, beard plucked out, backed, uh, was ripped open by the Roman whip, whipped 39 times. It was supposed to be 40, but they would save one for grace. I'll give you grace, 39. But come on, a lot of people died from that. And then he was crucified on the cross. Did he deserve it? No. So what was he thinking of and what was he looking to? Just the suffering? No, Hebrews 12, verse 2. He looked past the suffering, past the cross, and guess who he was looking to? You. Here's what it says. For the joy that was set before him. This was the path for Jesus to have fellowship with you. For Jesus to save you from your sins. So you wouldn't have to die and burn in hell and through all eternity be thrown in the lake of fire to pay for your own sins. He did this for the joy that was set before him. You were his joy. The joy for him was to know that he would purchase you by his death and his blood poured out. The joy for Jesus that he would have, that you would get to have intimate fellowship with him. This is what Jesus went through for you, for his bride, for the church. You need to know this. So when you're going through suffering for Jesus' sake, if it's just a bad choice you made, then that's on you. But if it's something that you did for Jesus' sake, don't look just to the suffering. Many times that's our problem. We just look right at it. Oh, gosh, no, I can't take it. I can't take it. Look to Jesus. Look what he went through. This is why Hebrews 12 is saying, look to his example. He didn't complain. Look to his glorious kingdom that's going to come when the king comes back and sets up his kingdom. And in closing, we open up with this. Okay, now's our closing. You're like, where am I going to end? All right. So 2 Corinthians 1, uh, there's a principle here. Awesome principle. This already has applied to me, to you. But here's, I'm just going to read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. What's that principle? You're going to go through stuff, the sufferings in this life, and you need to look to God who's going to comfort you. He's the Father of mercy. He's the God of all comfort. He's wanting to comfort you. And when he does, it's not just for you. That when you get your healing, your breakthrough, it's not just for you. It's so that later on, your eyes, your, or everything's going to be open, maybe even understanding what someone else is going through. And now... Who knows that when you're being healed, after you get healed by God, after he delivers you, now you've got a heart for someone else that was just like you. Is that any of you guys? This is that principle applied. So when he rescues you out of something, in other words, fit it in the context that we're talking about, the sufferings that you go through, this is why here on the slide you see the blue, that's that Greek word for suffering, the same word. The sufferings you go through in this life. He's going to comfort you so that 
when someone else is going through their pain, this is the same thing he's doing in my life. I've gone through stuff. I still go through stuff. I'll probably go through stuff maybe tomorrow. But I want to accept that. And he's given me a heart of compassion for others. Because I need to tell you, that, as others told me, that God's comforted me. He wants to also comfort you in the context as you're going through your sufferings for him. Not for what you do for self, but what you do for him. Look at this in verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Verse 7. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, that's that exact same Greek word, so also you will partake of the consolation. Can we all stand, please? I went way over my time. Forgive me for this. But I think it was important for us to go through. Someone here needed to hear this. I'm going to close with prayer. We're going to close out. Josh, we're going to close out this time. We can stop the live stream after the prayer time. Okay, I'm going to close this with a word of prayer. And if you're here right now, maybe you're going through it. Or maybe you're like, I, I want to embrace God's growth plan for my life, but can you pray for me? If you want prayer for that, after I'm done praying to close this out, I want you simply to come up and we could pray for one another. Father, we thank you for this time and we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that we do know that you're going to work out all things together for some kind of good in our life. It's because you love us. You want to grow us. You want to heal us. You want to mature us. And it's time, Lord. And I believe you're speaking to many of us, Lord. Help us, God, though, to grow in your grace and in your ways. Lord, pour out your spirit, Lord. Help us, God. Send the helper that will help us to go through these things. Help us to keep crying out to you, Lord, as we're going through the pain and enduring the suffering that we would go through just because we prayed that you would use our life. And now, just like the caterpillar coming out of the cocoon, we, we have to struggle to get to the next step, the next phase, Lord. It's kind of an interesting picture. But perhaps you're wanting that to happen with someone here, Lord. Help us to grow in your ways. Empower us by your spirit, Lord, that we could do so for we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.